This afternoon we will be considering Baptist Catechism number 65. Remember, we have been considering God's law, His moral law, as summarized in the Ten Commandments. We've worked through the first three, and now we have come to the fourth commandment, which has to do with honoring the Sabbath day. And question 65 asked, asks, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? In other words, how is it to be kept holy? How is it to be honored? And the answer that is given is this. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy." And for our scripture reading, we will go to Isaiah 58 and look at verses 13 and 14. The whole of Isaiah 58 is is just excellent, but I've selected only these two verses because they are most pertinent and also for the sake of time. Isaiah 58, 13, hear now the word of the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. Questions 62 through 67 of the Baptist Catechism are about the fourth commandment, which is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. With the help of Catechism questions 63 through 65, we learned that the practice of Sabbath keeping was not unique to Old Covenant Israel, but is for all people living in all places and times. The command was first given to Adam, remember. It was not first given to Abraham or to Israel through Moses. All people ought to worship God alone, not with images, with reverence for His name, setting one day and seven apart as holy unto the Lord as a day for rest and worship. The first four commandments contained within the Ten Commandments make this point clear. On which day was the Sabbath to be kept from the creation of the world until the resurrection of Christ from the dead? Answer, The seventh day, which we call Saturday. The seventh day, Sabbath, fit the covenant of works that was made with Adam in the garden. It communicated that faithful work would lead to eternal rest. Adam failed to enter that rest. But the seventh day, Sabbath, remained in the world, one, as a reminder of what Adam failed to obtain, and two, as a reminder of the promise of God to provide a redeemer from the seed of the woman, a second Adam, who would, in the fullness of time, earn eternal rest through his faithful obedience. So, the seventh-day Sabbath that was observed by the people of God from Adam to Christ, both communicated bad news and good news. It was a reminder of what Adam failed to obtain. It was also a reminder of the promise of God to provide a second Adam a Redeemer who would arise from the seed of the woman, who through faithful work, that is to say through faithful obedience, would in fact enter into rest, and he would obtain rest not only for himself, 
but for all who are united to him by faith. On which day is the Sabbath to be kept holy now that the Messiah has come, has finished his work, and has entered into his rest? The answer is this. The Sabbath day is now the first day of the week, which we call Sunday. Christ met with his disciples after his resurrection on the first day of the week to establish this pattern. You can see this especially in John's Gospel. The early church assembled on the first day, and they called it the Lord's Day. See Acts 20, verse 7 and Revelation 1.10, for example. And this practice has remained throughout the history of the church. The first day of the week, Sunday, is to be regarded as the Christian or Lord's Day Sabbath. So then you can see that the pattern of one day out of every seven being set apart as holy unto the Lord remains, but the day has changed. And why has the day changed? Because the particular day is filled with symbolism. I've already explained that the symbolism of the seventh day fit the covenant of works and communicated that eternal rest was still yet to be earned in the future. And now I want you to see that the first day Sabbath fits the covenant of grace of which we are partakers if we have faith in Christ Jesus. The first day Sabbath reminds us not only of the original creation, but of the new creation, which Christ ushered in through His life, death, and resurrection. The first day Sabbath reminds us that Christ, the second Adam, was faithful to finish His work, the work given to Him by the Father in eternity, and He has entered into His rest. The first day Sabbath reminds us of the rest that is ours through faith in Him. It is a rest that we enjoy now in part, It is a rest that we will enjoy in full when Christ returns. The first day, Christian Sabbath communicates a different pattern than the seventh day Jewish Sabbath. We do not work to enter into rest. We rest in Christ and then we work to obey Him with His help, being motivated by gratitude for all that He has done. And why does the practice of Sabbath keeping remain For the people of God under the new covenant, and there I am alluding, of course, to what Paul says, I think Paul, in Hebrews 4, 9. The answer is this, because the thing that the Sabbath signifies is not yet here in full, namely eternal rest in the new heavens and new earth. So then the Sabbath keeping, the Sabbath resting remains for the people of God. Now all of that is review. Now we ask... How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? So I hope that you have been convinced that a Sabbath-keeping does remain for the people of God. I hope that you have been convinced that before the resurrection of Christ from the dead, from Adam to Christ, the Sabbath was to be observed on the seventh day. Now that Christ has been raised from the dead and has ushered in a new creation, the Sabbath is to be kept on the first day. I hope you're convinced about all of that. The pattern of one and seven remains, and for us who live under the new covenant, the Sabbath day is the first day of the week, the day upon which Christ rose from the grave. Now we ask, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? How are we to keep it holy? How are we to observe it? How are we to go about doing what we do or abstaining from what we abstain from on this day? You will notice that our catechism does not provide a detailed list of things appropriate or not appropriate for the Sabbath day. Instead, it presents broad principles. Of course, we must apply these principles in a specific way, and that is going to require wisdom from us. 
But these principles must be known before we can apply them in specific. How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? Answer, the Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day. The word sanctified means to be set apart as holy. The Sabbath day is a holy day. It is not a common day. Now, in our culture, we have many holidays. But if I were to ask you which holiday or holy day is the Christian bound to observe, I hope that you would say only one. It is not Christmas. It is not Good Friday. It is not Easter. And neither is the New Covenant Christian bound to observe the many holy days that were given to Israel under the Old Mosaic Covenant. Paul addresses that directly in Colossians 2.16, by the way. He makes it clear that these new moons, these festival days, these Sabbaths, and it is plural in the Greek, and that is very significant. Paul makes it clear that the Christian is no longer bound to observe these festival days, these new moon days, these Sabbaths, because they were a part of the old Mosaic Covenant. We are not bound to keep them. What day are we bound to observe, though? We are bound to observe the Lord's Day Sabbath only. The Lord's Day Sabbath is rooted in the original Sabbath command given to Adam, reiterated in the summary of God's moral law and the Ten Commandments, and it is still for us. Which holy day are we to honor and observe? Only one. It is the weekly Sabbath, the Lord's Day Sabbath. One day in seven was set apart as holy for Adam in the garden. Think about this. One day in seven was set apart as holy for Abraham. Abraham was not bound to observe many holy days as the people of Israel were under Moses. That is very significant. Notice the chronology here. Notice when these laws were given. One day for Adam, one day for Abraham, for Isaac, and for Jacob. And there is one day for us. It is the weekly Sabbath day, the Lord's Day Sabbath, to be observed on the first day of the week, the day of Christ's resurrection from the grave. Our catechism is clear that the Sabbath day is a day for rest. This day is a rest day. But the question must be asked, rest from what? Rest from what? A lot of Christians today do not believe that there is a Sabbath day. Some will say, well, it's a good idea for you to rest, but you can pick the day. Have you ever heard this? I think I used to say that. Lord, forgive me for saying that. It's ridiculous. Uh, the idea there would be that God is only concerned that we get some rest. Rest from, for our bodies, you see. That was never the purpose of the day. The Sabbath day is not a day primarily for physical rest, though certainly physical rest is important and enjoyed on this day. We must ask the question, rest from what? What are we to rest from? Are we allowed to nap on the Sabbath day? Yes, naps are permitted if needed. But truly, the day, the Sabbath day, the rest day, is to be a day full of a particular kind of activity, as we will soon see. The word holy helps us to see this. Not only is it a day set apart for rest, it is also a day set apart for holy purposes, namely worship. This is a day to rest from certain things so as to worship, so as to be freed to worship. Leviticus 23.3 clarifies this, saying, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath 
of solemn rest, and then we find these three words, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord and all your dwelling places. Leviticus 23.3. Convocation here in this text means a formal assembly. A holy convocation is an assembling together for the purpose of worship. So no, the Sabbath day is not a day for sleeping in or napping primarily. I sleep in more on Sunday than I do on any other day of the week. So it is permitted to sleep in a bit. And indeed, it may be that you are tired in the afternoon and you need a nap. I am not criticizing that in any way. Naps are permitted on the Lord's Day. The point is this. It is a day for worship. It's a day for us to worship in a pronounced way. So again I ask, what are we to rest from? Our catechism is right to say that we are to rest from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days. In other words, the Sabbath day is a stop day. It is a day to cease or rest from a certain kind of activity, namely common work and recreation, so that we can be devoted to another kind of activity, namely public and private worship. Common activities are to be set to the side. Holy activities are to be taken up. The Lord's Day Sabbath is not a day for common work, brothers and sisters. Cease from common work on the Lord's Day Sabbath. The Lord's Day Sabbath is also not a day for common recreation. What then is it a day for? Our catechism is right to say that we are to spend the time. How much time? It's the Lord's day, brothers and sisters. It's not the Lord's hour or the Lord's two hours or the Lord's morning. It is the Lord's day. We are to spend the time in the public and private exercises of God's worship except so much as to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. I do like the word spend. It reminds us that time is spent kind of like money is spent. We only have so much of it, and we have to decide how to spend it. On the Lord's day, we are to spend the day, the whole day, in the public and private exercises of God's worship. As has already been mentioned, the Sabbath day is a day for holy convocation or assembling, and that is why Paul and Hebrews Uh, encourages us to not um, neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is an exhortation to the Christian church, the New Covenant community, to, to not neglect the assembling of ourselves together on the Lord's Day Sabbath. But we're to do this all the more as we see the day, that is the last day, uh, drawing near. The day is to be spent in public exercises of God's worship. And after public worship is over, how much, however much time the church decides to devote to that, Christians are then to spend their time in private exercises of worship. And I take this to mean that we are to continue in a spirit of worship as we go our separate ways. We are to think upon the word that was preached in the public assembly. We are to pray We are to read Scripture and talk about Scripture. We might even continue singing. I think the point is this. We are not to 
leave corporate worship and then go about treating the day as if it were a common day. We're to honor the day as holy all the day long in public worship and also in private worship. Are we to worship God privately on the other days of the week too? Answer, yes, of course. But the Lord's Day Sabbath is a day set aside for this. It is a gift to us. God made the Sabbath day for us, for man. That does not mean that He made it for us to run off and spend it on our earthly pleasures. What it means is that He made it for us so that we might set our focus upon the greatest gift of all, namely God Himself and the Messiah He has promised. The Sabbath day is a day set aside for this. By resting from common work and common recreation, we are, by God's grace, freed to worship the Lord corporately and privately in a pronounced and focused way. To state the matter differently, on the other days of the week, we are often consumed with work and even distracted by recreation. Is work a good thing? Yes, work is a good thing. Sometimes it's misused, sometimes it's approached badly, sometimes people are consumed by it, it becomes a bad thing. But work in and of itself is a very good thing. Indeed, we are to work to the glory of God. And can recreation be a good thing? Yes, God has given us the gift of recreation for the refreshment of the body and the mind, which of course also impacts the soul. There is a place for recreation. But those are to be done on the other days of of the week. The Lord's Day is to be a day set aside for holy purposes. Those common things are to be set aside so that we are enabled to fix our attention squarely upon the Lord, to worship Him, and to delight in Him. Now, to be clear, I do not know of any individuals or families that spend the entire Lord's Day in strict private or family worship after assembling with the congregation in the morning time and in the afternoon. If that is what is intended by our catechism and confession, then I would have to confess that we fall short of it. And by we, I mean me and my family and everyone that I know about in this congregation. I do not know of anyone who drives home after public worship and just devotes themselves to family prayer, family Bible reading, catechism, the rest of the day in a strict and formal sense. I'm admitting that now, and I think it's an important thing to admit. But I would like to think, and perhaps I'm wrong, that our catechism is simply teaching us to go on from public worship in a spirit of private worship. Stated negatively, our catechism is teaching us to not run off from corporate worship to things like common work and common recreation, but to continue to keep the day, the whole day, as holy unto the Lord by thinking and conversing about the things of God in private. It's important that the whole day be approached as if holy unto the Lord. Lastly, our catechism mentions two um, exceptions, except so much as to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. A work of necessity is a work that cannot wait until the following day. Absolutely cannot wait until the following day. So if your ox falls into a ditch, does anyone have an ox here? I don't know if anyone does. You should pull it out to preserve the life of the ox and your property. If a water pipe bursts under your house, you should fix it. There are even certain chores that need to be done on the Lord's Day Sabbath that just have to do with living in a decent way. You prepare a meal 
you serve it, you should clean up after the meal. The bed should be made, I think, on the Lord's Day Sabbath morning. Those sorts of things. Those are just works of necessity, works that have to do with living life, you know. Common works, yes, but just works that come along with living life in this world. And it may be that some crisis oppresses itself upon us that just has to be... um, has to be dealt with. If your neighbor experiences some difficulty like this, like a burst pipe under their house, you should help them on the Lord's Day Sabbath. You might even need to work very hard to help them remedy the problem. I think the New Testament scriptures especially are clear about this. Also, we are to engage in acts of mercy, and they are similar. An act of mercy is an act of kindness done for someone in need. And so the Lord's Day Sabbath is a very good day for visiting those who are suffering or offering a helping hand to people who are in some need. And we should also acknowledge that some people are engaged in professions that are, in fact, um, acts of mercy and acts of necessity. Emergency room doctors, police officers, and perhaps even water district employees will need to work on Sundays from time to time. Christians who are engaged in professions like these should do their very best to have Sundays off, however. And so this is the basic teaching that is set before you. Brothers and sisters, it is no secret that Christian individuals, families, and churches sometimes struggle to know and to come to an agreement on what exactly should be done and what should not be done on the Lord's Day Sabbath. Perhaps some of you have felt this tension in your families. Some of you have felt this tension, perhaps, even in this congregation. And so I would like to conclude by offering a few pieces of advice that I hope will help. One, think about the purpose of the day. Step back from the particulars and first think about the purpose of the day and ask yourself the question, does this activity, whatever it is, fit with the purpose of the day? This general question will serve you better than a strict and detailed list of do's and don'ts, and most of the time the answer will be obvious. Does playing in a baseball league fit with the purpose of the Lord's Day Sabbath? I think the answer is obvious, no. Does zoning out on a movie, or I ruffled some feathers a few weeks ago when I mentioned the Super Bowl in the announcements too. (laughs) Does zoning out on a movie or the Super Bowl fit with the purpose of the day? I think the answer is clear, no. What about working on the house remodel? or doing some other chore or task that can easily wait until Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's hard to see how these sorts of activities could possibly fit the day. These are clear examples of common work and recreation that ought to be reserved for the common days of the week. Two, when trying to encourage others to keep the Sabbath day holy, appeal to the goodness of the thing. So this may be fellow members in the church or your own children. I am saying that the best approach is to appeal to the goodness of the thing, and this is what I, most of the time, do with you. I say, look at how good the Lord's Day Sabbath is. I do not say, look at what we don't get to do. I say, look at what what we get to do on this day. We get to cease from common work and common recreation so as to just feast upon the Lord and to fix our attention squarely upon Him. Appeal to the goodness of of the thing. Look at what we get to do on the Lord's Day Sabbath. Namely, delight in the Lord rather than what we don't get to do on the day. The day was designed to be a blessing to us. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That scripture text is often twisted by anti-Sabbatarians. 
They take it to mean, see, we get to do whatever we want to do on this day. It was made for us. That's not the point. The Lord made it for us. Yes, that is true. So that we might feast upon Him. That is the greatest of all blessings. Three, I would say be careful with the little ones. Do not expect more out of them than they are able to give. Little ones do need to play. They have a limited ability to focus when compared to adults. And I do hope that our children delight in the Lord's Day as they grow up in the church. I hope they consider it to be the best of all days. Brothers and sisters, we must be careful to not frustrate our children with unreasonable expectations, you see. We must be careful with the little ones. With that said, we should encourage our children to keep the Lord's Day with more and more care and seriousness as they grow older. We should teach them what the day is. We should appeal to the goodness of the things so that when they are emerging into adulthood, when they have more independence of their own, they actually desire to keep the Lord's Day Sabbath from their own heart. For a time it will be imposed upon them probably before they understand the true significance of it. During that time when it is imposed upon them, we must be careful with them so as to not frustrate them. But hopefully the day comes as they emerge into adulthood where they see the Sabbath as a blessing themselves. They come to delight in it themselves. And we need to help our children in this. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, 11 seem to apply. He says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So here Paul is acknowledging that there are different stages to development in life. There is a time where we are children and we speak and think and act like children. But at some point we just have to grow up and become men and become women. In another place, Paul exhorts Timothy to act like a man. I do love that verse, you know. We just have to grow up and become mature And that applies to the Sabbath day as well. At some point, our children will need to honor the Lord's Day Sabbath themselves and from the heart. For I say, be patient with others, even as you remain resolute in your convictions. I think we should acknowledge that very few Christians today honor the Lord's Day Sabbath. We need to leave room for others to grow in their understanding of this doctrine and in their application of it. Is there a place for exhortation? Yes, I think there is. When you see a brother or sister violating the Sabbath day in an obvious way, I think it is right that you encourage them to turn from the sin into obedience in Christ. But we must be loving and patient with each other in all that we do. And I think especially here, given all of the confusion that exists concerning this doctrine. Five, leave room for differences of opinion regarding the particulars of Sabbath keeping. I think you would agree with me that there are activities that clearly do not agree with the purpose of the day. The Lord's Day is not a day for common work, and nor is it a day for recreation. We ought not to be distracted by work and recreation on the Lord's Day, therefore. But in my mind, there may be some activities that some would classify as recreation that may in fact serve the purpose of the day. I'm thinking of things like a walk, a hike, a drive, maybe even a game of catch or a bike ride. All of these activities can be done in such a way as to encourage conversation and contemplation concerning the things of God and to serve the purpose of the day. Are you following with me? I've been thinking a lot about this lately. 
I've been reading a lot about this, in fact. What is meant by recreations in our catechism and in our confession? What is strictly forbidden? Is all play forbidden? Is all physical activity like this, like walks or hikes or bike rides, forbidden? And I've come to the conclusion, personally, that those things are not forbidden because though it may be true that the Lord's Day Sabbath is not a day for playing 18 holes of golf or for taking our children off to the baseball uh, league, um, it may be that we can be active physically in such a way that helps us to rejoice in the day and to fix our minds upon the Lord and to contemplate the Lord and to converse about the things of the Lord. It may be that you are convinced that these things ought not to be done on the Lord's day, and I think that is fine. But I would encourage you to not attempt to bind the consciences of others on these things, but to consider them as matters of opinion. Sixthly, we must call the Sabbath a delight. We must call the Sabbath a delight. I think it is right for us to view the Lord's Day Sabbath as a celebration or festival day. In fact, that's how these days were described under the Old Covenant. These days were a day for ceasing from work and recreation, but nevertheless, they were to be approached as celebrations, feast days, festival days. This is to be a day of rejoicing, and so we must approach it as such. It's not to be a day that is dreary. It is not to be a day that is burdensome to us or to those who are under our care. It is to be a celebration day. The Sabbath day is to be a delight to us, not because we spend the day pleasing the flesh, but because we feed the soul by delighting ourselves in God and, and in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. An illustration came to me this morning. I don't know if it will be helpful on this point. But I want you to think of a wedding, a wedding celebration. Think of a wedding celebration. Is a wedding celebration a, a place and a time for common work? No, that would be so strange for you to be at a wedding and to be doing work on a computer or with a hammer or some other thing. It's a solemn occasion. It's to be approached with reverence. It's not a day for work. Is, is a wedding a, a place for, for recreation? I mean, how do you think the bride would feel if you were sitting at the table with a group of guys around you watching the Super Bowl while the wedding is going on? Or during the reception? The bride, the groom might not care, but the bride would care. <laughs> the bride would be upset about that. After, after all, this is a, a solemn occasion. It's a day for attention to be given to the bride and the groom and to celebrate them and their union, you see. Is a wedding celebration to be a dreary affair? Okay, this is a solemn occasion. Everyone be careful. No one is to have any fun. Of course not. There is lots of fun that is had at a wedding celebration. But it is fun, enjoyment, joy, rejoicing, all in honor of the bride and the groom. And I think the Sabbath day is to be approached like that too. I hope that the Sabbath is a delight to you. I hope that it is a joyous day. But it is a day that is to be set apart unto the Lord. It is a day for us to remember Christ Jesus, the Lord, the groom of the church, you see. We're to remember His life, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father, and the wedding supper of the Lamb that awaits us in glory. And so, yes, we might have a very good time on the Lord's Day Sabbath. I hope our children do. I hope we do. But it's to be, with all of our attention given to the Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
and he is to receive all glory, honor, and praise on this day. This sermon was a bit long, as, it, as afternoon sermons go. I usually keep them much more brief. I have um, put a lot of thought into this, and I, I felt like this sermon is particularly important, not only for us as a congregation, but there's others thinking about these things too. And so I wanted to offer these considerations in a careful and somewhat thorough manner. Let's bow for a word of prayer now, and then we will go to corporate prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord's day. Help it to be a delight to us, O God. Uh, Not a time for us to please the flesh or to go our own way, but a time for us to take pleasure in you and in the Christ you have sent. Help us, O Lord, to prepare for the Lord's day Sabbath week after week. Help us to keep it holy when the day comes. And then help us to work and to serve you out of the strength that we gained as we fixed our attention upon you on this sacred day. Be exalted, O God. May your church be fed and built up. In Christ's name, amen.